the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In the New Testament, we don't live by these laws because we're not the nation of Israel, but we are a holy nation. That is, God is called out of darkness into this marvelous light. You know, in a little way, we can be a witness of God's love and mercy, even when someone has done wrong to us and we're trying to help. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. I'm your host, Nate Elliott, as we join Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Exodus. God brought the children of Israel out of their enslavement in Egypt and has provided for them throughout their journey to the land promised to their forefathers. God was now meeting with them on Mount Sinai, giving them His moral law. These were the Ten Commandments. The Israelites were afraid and sent Moses to intermediate between them and God. God is now going to start giving the civil law by which the Israelites would be governed. God had given them several laws that would dictate how they would interact with one another when wrongs had been committed. We continue looking at these laws for the Israelites in Exodus chapter 21, verse 18. Now we get to verse 18. And we continue forward with some addendums to the idea of injury. And we see rights of restitution for bodily injury. So not death now, but just bodily injury. Verse 18, And if men strive together, and one smite the another with a stone, or with his fist, and he die not, but he keeps his bed. That phrase, keeps his bed, means he's injured in some way. So if they're quarreling, he doesn't die, but he's you know, down for the count for a few days. Well, it says here, if he gets up again and walks abroad upon his staff, if he, the injury heals with no permanent damage, he can go everywhere, he's fine. Well, then the Bible says there, he that smote him shall be quit or go unpunished. But he shall cause, it says, only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. So he has to make restitution for the loss of work time and any cost of recovery, medical costs, whatever. You had to pay for that. Again, that seems pretty fair to me. It sounds like a good law to have if you've got a, a bill of rights here. So if you get in a fight and he's fine, then just go away and let bygones be bygones. On the other hand, if he's injured in some way, well, then you, you know, you're going to have to pay a price when, to help him recover from the injury and any loss of work in the meantime. Now, verse 20 and 21 gives an addendum for servants, if that happens with servants. And if a man smite his servant or his maid with a rod and he die under his hand, well, he shall surely be punished. The word there means vengeance shall be taken, the death penalty. So same rules for servants. I don't, it doesn't matter that they're working for you. If you kill him, then you're going to die because you took his life. But it says in verse 21, if he continues a day or two, or in other words, if he's just out of commission for a day or two, he shall not be punished for he is his money. So after a couple of days, if he's ready to get up and he's fine, he has no permanent injury, well, then it's, you're the one that lost it because he didn't, he didn't work for a couple days. Now, there are those that read this, the word money here, and they have a big problem with God. How can a person be someone else's money? But remember a few things. Servitude in Israel was only allowed due to owed debt or crimes committed. 
So if you ended up losing a worker for a few days because you injured him, God is basically saying, that's your own stupid fault. Those two days of loss of work, they count. That's your fault. The only reason they're your servant is to pay back the debt. So the loss of work is punishment enough. God is not saying here that people are ever property and therefore that their lives do not matter. Conversely, he's trying to protect these people. Verse 22. Now, what about when you fight with someone and a woman gets injured and causes her to go into premature childbirth? If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit, I'm not sure why they translated it fruit. The word actually means child. So if her child shall depart from her, shall come out prematurely, and yet no mischief follow, no bodily injury, either to the mama or the baby. So if, if she gives birth prematurely due to you injuring her, but there's no permanent injury, then he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him or demand, and he shall pay as the judges determine. So they'll go to the court, the judges, and he'll say, you put me through this duress, this difficulty, this is what I'm asking for a, a, a suitable restitution. And whatever the judges decide is suitable restitution, he has to pay it. But, verse 23, if any mischief follow, any permanent harm, then this is how you deal with it. You shall give life for life. If the baby dies, you take his life. If mama dies, you take his life. Eye for eye. If that kid comes out blind or she's blinded because of the ordeal, then I'm gonna, we're going to take your eye. Tooth for tooth. Hand for hand, foot for foot. If, if that child comes out and, and because of the premature birth, he can't walk, well, guess what? We're breaking your legs and you won't be able to walk either. Burning for burning or literally scarring for scarring. If there's scarring because of it, we're going to scar you. Wound for wound. In other words, if the injured had a permanent limp, that's what you're going to get. Stripe for stripe, which is just a general word for injury. Whatever the injury, there would be equal retaliation. If that sounds harsh, realize that God is doing this so that when you notice there's a lady around, that you get your act together and you don't by mistake hurt somebody. And remember, this is a civil law to govern civil life. It was set up as a deterrent so that people would watch their actions because they knew there'd be serious consequences if they didn't. Now, what's interesting, you may have recognized the eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, right? Everybody knows that. You know, anytime people talk about that, hey, that's in the Bible, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Well, by Jesus' day, the Jewish people had turned it not from civil law, but into moral law, one that required revenge without the approval of the justice system. So if someone did something to you, you had to get them back. Whatever they did to you, you had to give back to them. Well, Jesus blew that up in Matthew chapter 5. Let's turn there. These were laws God gave to let the judges know how they handle a situation, not how we're supposed to govern our individual lives. Matthew 5, 38 through 42. You have heard that it has been said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue you at the law and take away your coat, then let him have your cloak too. And whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Give to him which asks you, and from him that would borrow of you, do not turn him away. See, God's law for the individual, his moral law for the individual was love, not revenge or retaliation. Revenge and retaliation has no place in the Christian's life. We're to love people. Now, granted, there are other scriptures that talk about self-defense and whatnot. If someone breaks into my home, I pity that person. I will protect my family. But if someone individually is seeking to do me harm, I'm not going to try to get revenge on them. You know, we had a gal, she was a drug addict in our neighborhood, and she broke into my vehicle and took a bunch of stuff out, including things from my wallet. I had a bad habit then of leaving my wallet in 
my car. Don't break into my car now, please. About 4 a.m., I don't know what time it was, they'd, we were knocking on the door, and of course, that's kind of freaky. And so the cops were there, and I'm there in, you know, shorts and a t-shirt, and what? You know, and Mr. Ramirez, is this your, is this your stuff? Yeah, and I walk outside, trash everywhere. Everything, anything that was in my car, so he had just taken it and thrown it everywhere. And he said, you know, we, we caught someone, they had broken into four or five vehicles in the neighborhood, and, and we, we went to her house, and we found some of these things, and we think they're yours. Sure enough, they were. And so, thankfully, I didn't lose any of that. But at that point in time, he said, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to, you know, press charges? And I said, well, let me ask you. I said, is this, you know, first time or something that's happened before? He said, well, I can't tell you that. And I said, well... I said, I don't want her to, to pay a lot. I just want her to pay, you know, do restitution. And so the lawyer called me up later on and said, you know, how do you want to handle this? And I said, I don't want her to go to jail. I said, sound, found out she was a young gal and uh, she's got some problems. I said, I want her to get help. I want her to be better. So, and I think that they found out the full cost of the damages and stuff was like $28. And I said, I just want the $28 so that she can understand there is a price to pay, but at the same time, I don't want anything extra. I want her to find help. And so the lawyers working with me this whole time on how we handle the situation. I said, make sure you tell her in court that I don't, I don't bear any ill will. I want no harm to her. I just want to see her get better. So, I, of course, the lawyers on the side going, what kind of insane person is this? You know? <laughs> and it was really cool at the end when he told me and said, you know, she didn't do jail time. She hears the check. You know, she, she's taking care of you. And, and I made sure I told her all those things, you know, to, before the court. And she was very grateful for that. And I thought, I made sure I said, do this because Jesus said that. I made sure I said, say these words. And so, you know, in a little way, we can be a witness of God's love and mercy, even when someone has done wrong to us and we're trying to help them. So do good to those who uh, aren't necessarily good to you. Well, back in Exodus chapter 21, we move on down to verse 26. And what about when one injures a servant? Well, if a man smite the eye of his servant or the eye of his maid that it perish, he shall let him go free for his eye's sake. And if he smite out his manservant's tooth or his maidservant's tooth, he shall let him go free for his tooth's sake. So, of course, when he explained the situation of eye for eye, tooth for tooth, this would leave a question as to the standing of servants since they were indentured for financial reasons. Well, what about them? If I injure them, I still need my work. And basically, the Lord says, they have injury rights too. So you can't treat them however you want. If you injure them, if their eye doesn't work anymore, they lose a tooth, and guess what? The debt is canceled. They owe you nothing because of the horrible thing you've done to them. You've exacted plenty of payment. You've done a horrible thing to them. They just get to go back to their life. The debt is canceled. Verse 28, now we get to rights of restitution for animal misbehavior. If an ox gore a man or a woman that they die, then the ox shall surely be stoned, and his flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall be quit, or free from obligation. The idea here is that the owner you know, and the one who died were innocent. This is nobody's fault. The animal you know, just lost its mind and did something horrible, and the owner pays enough by losing the animal and any meat that that animal would have given because he's to be stoned. And it says there, his flesh shall not be eaten. So you get no meat out of it either. But the owner, he'll be free from obligation. While he's innocent, he'll perhaps learn from this to keep better care of his animals. Now, verse 29, but if the ox were wont to push with his horn in times past, in other words, he attacked people in time past, and it has been testified to his owner, he knew about it, and he has not kept him in, he hasn't put special guard on this animal, but that he has killed a man or a woman, well, then the ox shall be stoned, and his owner also shall be put to death because he is considered 
complicit because he did not take the necessary precautions to protect life. If, on the other hand, the animal had shown violent behavior, but the owner didn't do anything about it, the equivalent is murder. He does say he can escape the death penalty if the offended family is willing to receive compensation instead. Verse 30. If there be laid on him a sum of money, then he shall give that for the ransom of his life whatsoever is laid upon him. So if they're okay with that, then he can live, but he's got to pay the penalty. Now, if the ox shall push a manservant or a maidservant, he shall give unto their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. The idea here is that this is an addendum to the innocent animal owner, not if he knew about it. So in other words, let's say, you know, you send your servant over to the neighbor's house and, you know, to get some milk or something, and as he's on the way over there, an ox runs out and kills him. The idea is it's nobody's fault. It's just a horrible situation. So if he was guilty of not properly keeping his violent animal locked up, well, then he'd face the death penalty for a servant as well. The price paid for the innocent animal owner is because the person with the servant would be left without payment of the debt that was owed to him because the servant was dead. So you'd have to cover that cost by paying 30 shekels of silver, and that would you know, be all you had to do. Now, in verses 33 through 36, prior to this, what if the animal does something wrong? Here we find out what if... The person does something wrong. If a man shall open a pit, dig a pit, or if a man shall uh, dig a pit and not cover it, and an ox or, or the ass fall therein, well, then the owner of the pit shall make it good and give money unto the owner of them, and then the dead beast shall be his. So if, you know, if this guy does this and he ends up killing your animal, then he's got to pay you for the animal, but you get to keep the animal for the meat. Verse 35, if one man's ox hurt another's, that he die. Then shall he sell the live ox and divide the money of it, and the dead ox shall they also divide. Or if it be known that the ox has used to push in times past, and his owner has not kept him in, well, then he shall pay ox for ox, and the dead shall be his own. So again, the idea is we're trying to give wisdom to these judges about how they handle this with fairness in whatever situation comes up. Chapter 22, we begin to get to rights regarding property. Now, if a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it, or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Uh, 500% and 400% restitution if he makes money off the theft. If he, get, he actually sells what he stole, then he has to give 500 or 400% restitution. That's a lot. If that thing was worth 300 bucks, you had to pay 1,500 bucks. And the reason the restitution was steep was to deter theft. Because people caught in theft, and this is why they usually ended up as servants to pay the off the steep penalty. Now, verse 2, if the thief be found breaking up, or literally the act of illegal entry, if he be found discovered while he's in the middle of his theft, and he be smitten that he die, well, then there shall be no blood shed for him. So this serves as an addendum to the general rights of life. Normally it says if you kill somebody then you die. But in this case, the thief is killed in the act of protecting your property. If that's the case, there's no penalty. You're just trying to get him off your property, and if he's resisting and you end up killing him in the process, not because you want to kill him, just because you're protecting your property, well, tough cookies, buddy. You shouldn't have broken into the property. But look at what the next verse says. If the sun be risen upon him, there there shall be bloodshed for him, for he should make full restitution If he have nothing, he shall be sold or become a servant for his theft. So if you find out someone broke into your house and you know who it is and you go over in the morning and kill him in retaliation, 
then you do get the death penalty because the penalty for a thief is restitution, not death. Now, verse four, if the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, whether it be ox or ass or sheep, he shall restore double. So if the thief doesn't make any money off the theft, then the restitution is only 200%. The idea is do not steal anything. Verse five, now we get to rights of property in regard to negligence. Now, if a man cause a field or a vineyard to be eaten and shall put in his beast and shall feed in another man's field of the best of his own field and of the best of his own vineyard, shall he make restitution? So if you put out your animal and you're you know, on your iPad and you're watching you know, the football game and your animal wanders over into the neighbor's field and he starts eating his stuff, well, then you need to make restitution, okay? You weren't paying attention and little Molly the cow went over there and ate some of your corn, then you need to pay for it. That's just fair. On the other hand, verse six, if a fire break out and catch in the thorns so that the stacks of corn or the standing corn or the field be consumed therewith, he that kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. Now, the phrase catching the thorns is something in the East. In the East, East after the summer harvest, it was a common practice. You were done harvesting, but you'd have all the leftover stuff, the stuff you didn't use, the stuff that was no good, the stalks, the plants, things like that. You would usually burn up all that dried up stuff, all the leftover dried up grass to make way for the autumn rain. And, and this would, you know, it would basically just, it would chase away vermin. The vermin wouldn't come and snack on that stuff that was left over. And it would usually prepare the ground for the next crop. Now you could imagine that that was not exactly something you did while you were half awake. So if you did it and you became negligent, it could be dangerous and burn the field next to you. So if you hadn't, you know, burning your fields, and like I said, you know, somebody hits a home run and like, you know, you get distracted and all of a sudden you burn up your neighbor's corn, you need to make full restitution. That's your fault. So for your negligence, you have to take care of that. So verse seven. Now we have rights of property in regard to honesty. If a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it be stolen out of the man's house, well, if the thief be found, then let him pay double. In other words, normal rules for theft apply. But if the thief be not found, then the master of the house shall be brought unto the judges to see whether he has put his hand unto his neighbor's goods. So in other words, if you, there's no thief, you can't find him, and you suspect this guy took your stuff, the guy you loaned it to, or the guy that you, you kept it for you, you would go down to the judge and they would have a trial and they would figure out if he was guilty or not. Verse nine, for all manner of trespass, whether it be of ox or ass or for sheep or for raiment or for any manner of lost thing, which another challenges to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges and whom the judges shall condemn, he shall pay double unto his neighbor. So in other words, if you are convicted of you really took it, even though you said it was stolen, you pay double. On the other hand, if you falsely accuse somebody, then, and you find out, no, you're just being mean, you pay double. And, and the reason is, is because God didn't want, didn't want frivolous cases coming out there. You know how many cases don't even go to trial in our country because of the fact that it's more expensive to actually have the, the, the case than it is to just settle? And people know it. And so they go to court. That's not the intention of a legal system. Verse 10, if a man deliver unto his neighbor an, ox, an ass, an ox, or a sheep, or any beast to keep, and if it die, or if it's hurt, or if it's driven away. It's not that it's stolen. The word driven away means here that through the, uh, some catastrophe, whether it's theft, you know, somebody breaks into your property and the cows end off running off and you don't know where they are and no man sees it. In other words, nobody knows who did it. It says, well, then shall an oath of the Lord be between them both. They'll go down to the temple and they'll make an oath to the Lord 
that he is, I didn't do this. This is not my fault. I didn't kill the animal or I didn't injure it. I didn't, you know, I didn't drive it away. And the owner of it, if he makes an oath before the Lord, that'll be good enough. And he doesn't have to make any restitution. Now, verse 12, though, if it's stolen from him, then he shall make restitution unto the owner thereof because he didn't protect it. He didn't do what he needed to to protect it, okay? If it be torn in pieces, then let him bring it for a witness and he shall not make good on that which was torn. In other words, if another animal, you know, killed it or, or something like that, you know, wolves came in and there's nothing he could do about that, then he'd bring the evidence and that would be enough. Hey, I didn't do this. An animal killed it. You could see it was ravaged by an animal. Therefore, he didn't have to make restitution. That could have happened anywhere. Verse 14. Now, if a man borrow anything of his neighbor, oh, wow, it's almost time. If a man borrow anything of his neighbor and it be hurt or die, then the owner thereof being not with it, he shall surely make it good. So in other words, if you are entrusted with something, whether you borrow something from your neighbor and then you go away and some harm comes to it, well, then you do have to make restitution. But if the owner thereof is with it, he shall not make it good. It's a hired thing. It came for his hire. Basically, the idea is if you were to pay for the use of your neighbor's stuff, that's just the cost of doing business, that sometimes bad things happen. And so therefore, you just kind of let it go. It's funny. Everybody's got an opinion about stuff. When I heard about that boy who was killed in, at the Disney property, my heart just broke. I have heard some of the most, seen some of the most insensitive things. I actually saw someone on social media post, well, I guess the alligator wanted his Mickey ears. There's something wrong with us when we're saying things like that. There's something wrong with us when we're trying to find fault in that situation. I've been down on that beach a thousand times. We go down there. I think they were down there for a lot of the reasons that we go down there. We Sometimes we'll go down and we'll, we'll gather together some other families. We'll go watch one of the Pixar movies together. I didn't even know there were gators in those things. My kids have been right at the edge of that, building sandcastles and whatever. We always tell them, stay out of the water because it looks yucky. But I didn't know there's any animals in there. Listen, sometimes... Bad stuff happens, and there's nobody to blame. And in those moments, we just need to have compassion. Just have compassion. And, and that's the idea that God's trying to set these laws up here is because he's like, guys, don't be bitter at, at everybody. Don't always try to find blame. Make sure you think about the reality. This is another person, and you know what? They're probably just as broken up as you are. I remember I was helping somebody move, and it was their, their son had passed away, and he loved to, to do drafting. He loved to do artwork, drafting. You know, he, he did uh, architectural stuff, and, and he had a, a really expensive drafting table. And I was helping this gentleman move this thing that he kept in memory of his son. Well, I, it was Florida. It's hot. My hands were sweaty. I was, you know, at 17, 18 years old. I dropped the thing. Shattered. I was heartbroken. I felt horrible. I'm like, I don't think I can ever be around this person again because I've destroyed something very special to them. He was so gracious to me. I mean, you could tell on his face, he was like, I hate you. <laughs> but at the same time, he knew it was just an honest mistake. There was, it wasn't because I was being lazy or it wasn't because I wasn't being careful. Stuff just happens sometimes. And you know, I think in relation to the New Testament, it talks about in Colossians chapter three, where it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, that's, we are holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also should you do. And I think that's a good word for us. You know, in the New Testament, we don't live by these laws because we don't, we're not the nation of Israel, but we are a holy nation. 
You know, that is God is called out of darkness into this marvelous light. And in Second Peter or First Peter chapter two, right after God says that, he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, not our home, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And live your lives honest among the Gentiles. We learned this morning, it means reflect God's character accurately. That whereas they speak evil against you as evil, uh, speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of judgment. So let's live out our love before others. Let's walk with Jesus and be gracious to one another that all men would know we're his disciples. Amen? All right, let's all stand. And join me in prayer as the worship team comes forward. Lord, we thank you so much for your great love. I'm so glad we don't live by all these rules, Lord. We have our own rules in our country, and some of them are annoying as well. But Lord, we are grateful for the freedoms we do have. And and with that freedom, Lord, we want to be good witnesses for you. So give us courage and boldness to speak the truth in love as we go forth from here this week. Lord, help us to be compassionate towards other people, to be gentle and kind in all that we do. Lord, never compromising your truth, but never compromising your grace either. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We don't live by the civil law given here to the Israelites, but the principles behind them are still important for us to consider what God values. God desires us to be honorable to all people, to serve one another, to honor our parents, to value all human life, and most importantly, to walk humbly with our God. We can do all of this through the power of God working in our lives, not legalistically, rather, because we want to be pleasing to God. While we are in this time of a global pandemic, do not be afraid to call and ask for assistance or for prayer. Our office may be closed, but you can still reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.